2: You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156.
0: Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time. Bully Ray and I talk to the Bella Twins. That's right, Nikki and Brie Bella. They have a new book out. We get into all of that, plus their career, on today's episode Of Busted Open. Also, we get into Monday Night Raw and the dip. Severe dip in the ratings. We kind of answer the question why. And also we get into one of the bright spots of Monday Night Raw. And that's Liv Morgan and Charlotte Flair. All that right now on the Busted Open podcast.
1: Were Were you ever a Bella Twin fan? I always uh, liked the Bellas. I uh, was a fan of the Bellas. What was your, what was like part of their tenure in WWE did
0: you enjoy the most? Uh, I really liked their later part of their career when, you know, with the women's revolution kicked in. And a lot of people hate on the beginning of their career. I actually like that twin dynamic that they had where Nikki was getting the shit kicked out of her. She rolled out of the ring and Bray would roll in and, you know, if you remember their first match, it was, it was uh, Brie against, it was Bree Bella against Victoria, and Nikki Bella actually got the win, but I always liked their dynamic, and you know, I, I think they, for a lot of their career, they were hated on unfairly, but I think they got a lot of respect as their career went on, so it's going to be good talking to them at 11 a.m. Why do you think the unfair hatred I just think because of where the women's division was in the WWE when they started to where it was, and they changed. They, they adapted. They evolved. If you, if you look at the women's evolution in the WWE for where it was, you know, 10 years ago to where it is right now, all you have to do is look at the Bellas and what they were at the beginning of the career and how their careers developed and how they adapted They became damn good pro wrestlers, both of them, by the end of their careers. And you know what? We always talk about the lack of real stars in pro wrestling. You know, everyone talks about The Rock and the Stone Colds and the Cena's, and we haven't really been able to get that the last decade in the WWE. You kind of have with the Bella Twins because they are now as known from their wrestling career as everything else they do outside of the ring, including their, their TV show on A. So they're ab- about as mainstream or even more mainstream than probably any wrestler right now on the WWE roster.
1: I will agree. They are superstars. They, 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 they transcend. They step over the line. And uh, their books should be interesting. Their shows are always interesting. And I'm sure talking to them will be fun.
0: And, you know, one, one, more th- one more thing on the Bellas before we move on. Again, they're going to be on at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Bully, is that you always hear about Vince McMahon says there's no guarantees. I don't give guarantees. I give opportunities. If there was ever two people that took the most out of that opportunity, it's Nikki and Bree Bella. They took their I- opportunities, they knocked down that door, and they became mainstream superstars. Uh, I will agree that they became mainstream
1: superstars, and I can tell you because I was sitting there as the words came out of the man's mouth. He said, Bubba, there is no such thing as the push. What we give you here is opportunity, and that is the biggest word in the WWE, and yes, the Bellas maximize their opportunities.
0: Now, Bully, you mentioned a conversation that you and I are having before the start of the show. And it's not, a, it's not a conversation that is a positive conversation. And what I mean that is that it's not a conversation that I like to have. You know, it wasn't that long ago, Bully, you and I were talking about the momentum in pro wrestling across the board and how it was just getting bigger and bigger. And it wasn't at the same heights of what we saw 20 years ago, but we were getting there. And, and there were a lot of positive changes, especially over what we saw the last decade. Since we've gotten to what we're, we're, I guess you could say, is the new normal in our world right now, with everything that's gone on with this pandemic over the last couple of months, a lot of things have changed, especially in the world of pro wrestling, especially in the world of the WWE bully. When you look at Monday Night Raw and you look at SmackDown on Fox, and I'm just mentioning these two mainstream. Uh, main roster shows for the WWE. They have fallen about as far as you can fall, and the proof is in the pudding when you look at Monday Night Raw and the numbers that they drew for this past Monday. A Monday, by the way, bully, right before a pay per view. A Monday before a pretty big pay per view for the fans, which is Money in the Bank, and I think it was about a what a one point nine for six. Monday, one point six for Monday Night Raw this past Monday. I mean, those are putrid numbers. And, Bully, we were having a conversation before the start of the show. Why? And we blame a lot of it on the lack of a crowd. But now we have been having shows with a lack of a crowd for a while now. I don't think that's the problem right now with Monday Night Raw. Um, You would think that with
1: no sports on TV and pro wrestling giving us the only semi live option that there is whether it comes to you know new TV shows uh, sporting events you know pro wrestling is able to weather all the storms that have ever been out there in reality and keep you know pressing along but something is going on and i don't think it has anything to do with lack of crowds now i have had friends tell me You know It's hard to watch the products, whatever they may be, without the crowd there. It's just not the same. So if you'd have a fair-weather fan or a fan that just watched casually, I guess they're not as entertained by the lack of crowds. But you would think, with everybody being forced to sit home, that that would force them to watch wrestling a little more because it's basically one of the only things that's out there right now that's still live or semi-live. So why would numbers be down or numbers down that much because there's no audience there I'll give you a little bit of that I'll give you some At the very least I would would have thought that wwe would maintain and i think if they would have just maintained their their normal rating they'd be totally fine and listen at the end of the day they're going to be totally fine no matter what because it's vince and he will find a way because he always does and that's what history has dictated here's what i believe the issue is and i've been talking to you about this for a long time and i think it's finally showing and rearing its ugly face There's no star power on the shows. They have not built up their second tier the way they built up their second tier years and years and years ago. You have your handful of talent that is over and then you have everybody else. These stars are not at the level that people want to invest emotionally into. Zelina Vega is a friend of yours. She's a friend of mine. She's a friend of Velvet's. She does a phenomenal job every single week. She's out there along with the crew that she's out there with, right? Who does she have out there with her, Dave?
0: Yeah, Andrade, Austin Theory, Angel Garza. How many weeks in a row have we seen all this talent now? We have seen them every week
1: since this pandemic has started. Are you that into any of those
0: talents where you need to see them every week? No. And I, I no, to, to answer your question simply, no. The answer to that is no. And why
1: are you not into those talents why you don't have to see them every week? Well,
0: for me, it's because what have they done? <laughs> you know, like, what have they done in the ring or out of the ring that says – Hey, I want to watch these wrestlers each and every week. Now, to your point, Zelina Vega has done it, but Zelina Vega is not in the ring competing. Zelina Vega is the mouthpiece, she's the manager. We've seen her on commentary. She's highly entertaining. She's somebody that I like to watch on my TV. But as far as the wrestlers that she's a part of, for the most part they lose. I mean, I, this past Monday's another example of that. So, they haven't built those wrestlers up to a point where it's like, oh, my God, I got to watch and see what they do next week. The problem is, let's go, let's go to, the, to the product
1: before all of this uh, pandemic started. They weren't positioning these talents to be main event players. They were part of the 50-50 crew. The 50-50 crew is sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you're on TV, sometimes you're off TV. And it never gives a fan an opportunity to really get into anybody because they're used sporadically. It's like, okay, what do we have for Seth? What do we have for Charlotte? What do we have for Roman? And then, all right, whatever's left over, let's divvy up amongst the rest. And they're in that divvy up amongst the rest crew. And if you're only getting some TV time here and some TV time there. Yeah, it is your job to maximize that TV time and, and, and hit a home run every single time as Zelina is doing. But as far as the talent in the ring, people really don't have an opportunity to get into them. Really, really get into them. Did you want to see Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar? Of course, yes. We wanted to see Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar. Do you care about this match at Money in the Bank between Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins?
0: Uh I, a mild interest, I to be honest. A mild interest in the match. You use the word mild, and that's why they're at a point
1: 1.6. There you go. In this during these times, you can't afford to be mild. That's why you're getting a mild rating. And I don't like to talk about the ratings. This rating is not about, oh, my God, they did a 1.6. This is more indicative about how the WWE used to build everybody up, and now they only build certain people up. And now, all of a sudden, you have a situation where you can't have those people on TV all the time, and your second-tier talent needs to be up there. Back in the day, if you go back and watch, Dave, all at one time, Stone Cold, Rocky, Triple H, Cactus, Taker, Kane, they were either gone or hurt or off TV, whatever. What did the WWE do? They relied on their second-tier talent who was able to step right up. They were just waiting in that batter's box, ready to get up there, and they were swinging away, and the WWE never dipped. Now
0: we're seeing a massive dip. And we, you we can even go back to the mid '80s when Hogan was on top, and Hogan was on top for a long time. You look at that mid card of, you know, Roddy Piper and Junkyard. They were, they were huge superstars, huge super, and that was, that was, you know, under the champ. You look at, and you just said it, and we've talked about it last week. The MVP, and I'll say it again, to me, the MVP of Monday Night Raw has been Zelina Vega. That's a problem. When Zelina Vega is not actually in the ring competing, she manages three wrestlers. Let's use the example from this past Monday. You said it. Angel Garza. Angel Garza was eliminated by Humberto uh, at the beginning of that show. Austin Theory. Somebody else she manages. He came into the ring next. He was quickly eliminated by Humberto. So where's the build here? you're still relying on the uh, the people that the same people that you relied on a year ago that's why you get AJ Styles back as early as you got AJ Styles and they com- completely dismissed a match that happened a month ago at WrestleMania 36 because they need to have him in the ring they need to have him compete because you don't know what to do with this crop of wrestlers on your show creatively Bully, And correct me if I'm wrong, creatively, they're lost because you just mentioned where, hey, if somebody gets injured, you know, next man up and you're going to make them look as big and as much of a star as possible. The WWE is not doing that right now. The next man up is meaningless to a lot of fans because, as you said, you have done nothing, nothing to build that person up to where it's a persona or a character that you want to watch on a weekly basis.
1: Nobody get, was getting any real reps in the WWE, enough reps where fans could be like, wow, I really like this performer or I really hate this performer. And then a situation hits where they could put those performers in a spot and people could be like, oh, yeah, I'm into this person. Let me ask you this. Who's must-see TV on Monday Night Raw or
0: SmackDown right now? SmackDown, I'd probably say Otis is must-see TV just because I'm interested in the storyline and Otis is entertaining. Okay, you can't I'm- say Otis without Mandy. And you can't say Otis without Dolph. And you can't
1: say Otis without um, uh, Daria. So all those people go together. So if you're going to say Otis, you got to say all the supporting players because Otis on his own is nothing without the supporting players in that story. So if that's must-see for you, that's great. Is that going to carry the SmackDown
0: rating? No. Which show is must-see for you? Right now, the, the show that I can honestly say I look forward to and entertain me, entertains me from beginning to end is AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays.
1: Which WWE product is must-see for you? There isn't one right now. These are all my points. That I'm trying to, this is why when you only allow certain people to get over And you quote unquote hold others back and never let them flourish When you don't let the talent be talented This is what happens I find myself watching a bunch of people When I sit back and I watch Selena Vega and her crew I know that Austin Theory is a talented wrestler I know that Angel Garza is a talented wrestler. I know everybody, I know Alistair is a talented wrestler. I know um, anybody who's on there, I know they're all talented. But I know that they are far more talented than what I'm getting on my TV. Let the freaking pigeons loose on this product. You have to do something different. You have to shake some stuff up. Now, I say have to. Vince doesn't have to do anything. It's his bat, it's his ball, it's his game, and you have to play by his rules, and, and that's just what it is. I'm just talking about this rating, and we, we never point fingers at ratings on this show because it's not about the rating. It's about the product that's on TV, and as fans and as an analyst, we, we watch, we appreciate, and sometimes we dissect but there's got to be a reason why the rating is not holding when more people
0: are home watching TV than ever before. And you know what? The rating is down across the board for pro wrestling. And I'll be the first one to admit the WWE is the captain of the ship. You know, when the WWE is succeeding, you start to see all other organizations and companies succeed. When it's down, it's kind of a trickle-down effect. And I, and I agree with you, Bully. To an extent, I understand it with the crowd. For a lot of people, that is a distraction. But at this point, when there's not a lot on and ratings on TV shows are up across the board and down for pro wrestling, there has to be a reason why. And I'll take it a step further, Bully. I'm sure Evan Husney will tell you, who was a guest on our show yesterday, Dark Side of the Ring is doing much better ratings than they did last year. ESPN and FS1 have been showing old matches, Bully, that you could easily obtain on the WWE Network, and they're getting ratings for that. So, you know, a a documentary about things that have happened 15, 20, 30 years ago are getting a good rating. ESPN showing old WrestleManias are getting a good rating. FS1 showing old matches are getting a good rating. But anything new is not getting a good rating. There has to be a reason why. And it can't just be the crowds and the people in attendance. Soccer is a passion that goes beyond the sport. And serious XMFC's podcast, More Than a Game, brings that passion to you. And you believe? In each episode, FC's panel of experts take a deep dive into club histories, iconic grounds, bitter
1: rivalries, and so much more. There's nothing like a derby day in Manchester.
0: New episodes are available weekly by downloading the Pandora app and searching "More Than a Game." Talking about the ratings dip, and it's been a massive one uh, for Monday Night Raw. Why? Is it because of the crowd? Yeah, Bully, I think you're right in a a lot of ways that for some people, it's been difficult for them to watch because there's no crowd, and I'm sure... You know, if baseball came back with no crowd, there'd be a little bit of a dip. But I think people would be so hungry for baseball that they would watch even if there was no crowd. If NFL came back and there was no crowd, yes, there would be a little bit of a dip. But I think people would be so hungry for football that they would watch with no crowd. Doesn't seem the case right now for pro wrestling. So it has to be more than just the lack of a crowd.
1: If, there, if you turned on um, uh, a station and there was a baseball game on, you're not the biggest baseball fan in the world. And there was no crowd there, but the game was exciting. Would you watch? Yes. You wouldn't give a shit if there was a crowd there or not because the game was entertaining you based on the excitement of the play, correct? Yes. Boom. There you go. Is it, is it? Are we talking about the excitement of the matches? No, we understand that the matches are exciting because of the athleticism. But if we don't really give a shit about the people doing the athleticism, then it's just moves for the sake of moves. And this is what happens when you don't build up your characters and your talent. It's not about the moves they're doing. It's about the emotional investment. You're seeing it come into play. Why are 1.6 million people watching Raw? Because they probably don't give a damn about anybody on their TV. Can those people do backflips and front flips and super kicks and 450s and tackle drop down, hip toss, arm drag, body slam, one, two, kick, get it again? Absolutely. And I can appreciate the athleticism. But if I don't give a damn about you as a human being, as a character, as a heel, a face, a good, a bad, a somebody, who
0: cares? Here's here's where I'll, I'll make this comparison with the world of football. You know, 35 years ago, all I would get are the two t- local teams on my TV. So as a football fan on Sunday, I'd be forced to watch the Giants and the Jets. If the Jets game sucked, I probably would still watch it just because it's the only game I could watch. Jet game not always sucked. Yeah, not the case in 2020, Bully. With satellite, I can go to any game I want. So if a game is terrible and it's boring and I'm not emotionally invested in it, click. So something that I watched 30 years ago, I'm not going to watch in 2020. It's the same thing here. There's a lot of people who are accustomed to Monday nights watching pro wrestling. 30 years ago, that may, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, that might have been enough. It's not enough in 2020 because you know what? I could be a wrestling fan, and you know what? I'm not interested in what's going on Monday night. I could watch wrestling on YouTube, on the network, on my tablet, on my phone. I don't have to watch it on USA on Monday nights at eight o'clock anymore. And I think there's a lot of people who are wrestling fans that much rather watch anything else other than what's on USA on a Monday night. On Monday night,
1: I was sitting in my office watching Raw. And you know what I was looking for on YouTube? What? I was looking for the Freebirds entrance from Halloween Havoc 89. My point is, what I'm watching is not really grabbing me. You know, so many people out there like to trash me and you for this, all this AEW stuff because we put over AEW and we're critical of... Of uh, uh, of the WWE product Let me tell you something If AEW gave me something to really be critical over I would be Especially in the beginning of AB, AEW When their tag matches didn't make freaking sense And when their referees don't make sense And when they're throwing the freaking rule book out the door AEW screws up plenty And we talk about it Trust me Especially when it comes to the glaring screw ups Of not paying attention to tags And referees acting like jackasses jumping up and down trying to get themselves more over than the talent trust me we've acknowledged it on the show but i can tell you as a fan and as a professional marco stunt right now is doing more to keep my attention than anybody on the wwe product the freaking six foot eight guy who dre- dresses up like a freaking t-rex is keeping my attention okay and it uh, MJF, Cody. Forget about the big stars. Even the smaller stars there. When I'm talking about smaller stars, I'm not talking about stature. I'm talking about a level of being over. They're even commanding my attention. Why? Because they're doing different stuff. If I watch Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, if I watch the WWE's product, I know what I'm getting. I've been served this dish before over and over again. And yes, I know I know it looks like I've eaten every single dish that they've served me. Ha ha ha. I'll hit my own fat joke. Okay? But I don't know what I'm getting served on a Wednesday night. That's why I find myself more intrigued. I don't know what I'm getting from a certain character. It's new, it's fresh, it's different. They're keeping me on my tippy toes. They're doing stupid shit. They're keeping me emotionally invested. Uh, How come I don't care about the interim
0: cruiserweight championship, but I care about the AEW TV title? You know why? Why? Because the wrestlers that are in that tournament, one has been released. And then the other ones, you usually see on Monday Night Raw lose. So why are you now going to be invested in them being in a tournament on Wednesday night when you, you watch them lose on Monday night? And the tournament that you're seeing with AEW, I'm not saying it's perfect, but that, that's made of mentality you're seeing in that tournament. It's, it's, it's Cody Rhodes. It's Dustin Rhodes. It's Lance Archer. I mean, it's a no-brainer. What tournament I'm going to gravitate towards over the other? I mean, uh, let's let's get to the nation because I know that they they are really passionate about some of what we're talking about. Let's go out to, let's go out to Jeff in Cincinnati. Jeff, what are you ta- what are your thoughts on the ratings right now for Monday Night Raw?
3: Um, man, you guys said it a lot. Of what my opinion is. Sorry about the voice. I got the bully rave morning voice too. Um, <clears throat> man, I feel like. WWE, has. this is a long-term problem for them. This isn't just a no-crowd-in-the-seats problem. Um, Their creativity has been down for a while. Uh, Their personal issues have been down for a while.
1: Um, All right, chill out. Stop for a second. Stop, stop, stop. Me and Dave have already laid out the problems that we have with Raw. Tell me what you like about Raw. Tell me what you like about NXT, and tell me what you like about SmackDown. Speak to some positivity.
3: Well, I'll be honest. Monday Night Raw was basically like background music for me. It's on my television, but I, but man, tell me what you watch. like about it. Not much.
1: So why Not is much. it on in the background?
3: Because I'm a huge wrestling fan. I've been a wrestling fan all my life. You know, I great. The then watch.
1: tell me one thing you like about it.
3: Man, uh, I like Zelina Vega. I like that the fact that they are like. I think Angel Garza. It's is a badass. heel. I I love him. Um I just don't you know, I where's the issue where they're they're making somebody come out and, and beat the shit out of somebody and then have them sell it for 3 weeks and then come back with fire and then, you know And take Jeff, out Jeff, I I don't mean to cut you off, but Randy Je-
0: Orton. Jeff, and and listen, I agree with what you're saying, Jeff. And and I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. And listen, no, you know, no, bully and Bully's kind of hammering you to get, get an answer out, and it's tough to find that answer. Because, Jeff, I think you are like a lot of people right now. You're, 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 you're used to turning on Monday Night Raw each and every Monday night. But, like, I think Bully's line of questioning was awesome in the fact that you were struggling to come up with an answer. And it's funny, because your first answer would probably be my first answer, which is Zelina Vega, and if Zelina Vega is the reason why you're tuning in on Mondays, God bless. But it shouldn't be your answer because you have a new champion that just won a title at WrestleMania. You're just, you're just a few weeks removed from WrestleMania. And you have a major pay-per-view on Sunday with Money in the Bank. And, Jeff, your answers are very similar to my answers and I think Bully's answers. You love watching Zelina Vega. You love Angel Garza. Bully's been praising Angel Garza up and down. But guess what? Angel Garza loses each and every Monday night. And then you think, I think, and, Jeff, thank you so much for the phone call, and it was a good one. The biggest thing he said is background noise. It's background noise for him. He he tunes he t- he tunes in to Monday Night Raw, and I bet you I bet you that Jeff is probably excited about Raw because I get a jolt just before Raw starts. All right, Raw is about to start. I turn it on and you hear the intro, and and then gradually that excitement begins to dwindle with each passing hour on that show, and just like you said, bully. It becomes background noise because you find yourself halfway through that show Googling or searching things on YouTube about something that happened 35 years ago. They
1: haven't given me enough reason to give a damn about their talents. Years ago, me and Devon worked a dark match against two nobodies. I asked Jerry Briscoe, Jerry, you want us to just squash them? And Jerry said, Bubba, if you want to squash them, go ahead. But remember something, if you don't make anybody, you didn't beat anybody. And this goes back to the product now. You're not making anybody or you haven't made anybody. Enough people during the time when the product was hot. That now when the product is not People can be invested in them This is this is coming back to kind of bite them in the ass Now, when does it really bite them in the ass? Well, when the bottom line is now When people are actually losing money Well, people are losing their jobs And there's little bit things going on here and there I could you could give me any name from the WWE pick a name tell it to me and I can tell you why they're a good entertainer or a good wrestler. I could tell you that across the board for the entire roster raw nxt smackdown i can find positive 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 for every effing talent there it has nothing to do with the talent it has to do with the product and the the stories and the 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 scenarios that they're being asked to go out there and bring to us as fans
0: and it's not resonating well, I, you know, I think the perfect example is a name that you mentioned, the name that I mentioned, and the name that Jeff R. Kohler mentioned: Angel Garza. What's the story with Angel Garza right now? I would right have now, Angel Garza hitting
1: on every single woman in the WWE. That's what it seems to be. He's a—he's like a, you know—he's he, a ladies' man. He's always making googly eyes. He's always flirting. I'd have him flirting with everybody until he flirted with the wrong girl. Like, 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 I know, so listen, I know the, Zelina Fe, the, the Selena Vega story with Alistair. I'm just, I'm riffing off the top of my head. If we knew via storyline that that Selena Vega and Alistair was together, I'd have Angel making googly lies at Selena and Alistair taking homage to that. Now we get Alistair Black versus Angel Garza because Angel's hitting on his freaking wife. Now you got something. I, the, I know the, now you got something because
0: the freaking Otis storyline is, is, is ridiculous, but we can relate to that. And here's the thing. Right now, Angel Garza, who's a hell of a wrestler and seems to be a, a personality and character that people are invested in, the story with him is that each and every week he hits on Charlie Caruso. Well, what's the end game with that? Charlie Caruso is, you know, a backstage interviewer. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Angel Garza loses each and every Monday night. It's 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 pathetic. The UFC is back Saturday, May 9th, and the Luke Thomas Show is your number one source to prepare you for the return of MMA. This is Luke
1: Thomas, and from Monday, May 4th to Friday, May 8th, you can catch the Luke Thomas Show live every
3: afternoon from 1 to 3 Eastern as I give you the insider's perspective on UFC 249. Plus, I'll be taking your calls at 877-FIGHT-93 to hear what you have to say about the stacked card. It's
1: all happening on the Luke Thomas Show, Monday to Friday, airing live from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on your home for MMA, Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156
0: they are the definition of superstars it's nikki and brie bella the bellas how are you this morning
4: oh, so good thank you yes. for, you literally gave us chills gave us chills are really good yeah thanks for having us on
0: wow dave
1: he's gonna run with that one forever he's gonna come on the show for at least the next year going yep i'm dave lagreca i'm the one who gave the bellas the chills Well, listen, if I could just get Violetta,
0: my (laughs) wife, chills, then I'd be set. (laughs)
4: We'll give you some tips
0: later when we go out there. Please. Thank you. I I, I need some because this whole pandemic thing has definitely ruined my game. But again, again, congratulations. So let me ask you this. Right off the bat, with the book out now. Are you guys nervous about everything? I mean, having this book, is there a little nerves? or Is it nervous? Is it, uh, you know, nervous excitement? What, explain. Definitely. I
4: mean, for me, it was definitely hard to sleep last night because, you know, I, I made a lot of headlines with a few of my stories that I have kept in for over 20 years. And I was really nervous for it to come out. Even when we were writing it, when we started writing two and a half years ago, I was still unsure if I wanted to tell these stories of being raped because it had been so long and it's just pain that I've carried through that I've had to work on for a long time. And you just don't know how people are going to perceive it. But I knew overall, if I could help younger women and, and even women who aren't in high school or in college, like for me, it was worth it. And it's worth whatever kind of feedback I get. So, but it's still hard. I still haven't talked to my mom about it. Um, we're going to talk later today, but we still haven't even discussed it.
1: Really? Wait a minute. You haven't talked to your mom about what you just, you just, you know, brought up the word rape. You haven't spoke with your mom about that.
4: No. So, um, my mom literally was hearing about it for the first time through the book. And I dropped her off the book two nights ago. I put it in her mailbox with two bottles of wine. Cause I was like, mom, you're going to need this. <laughs> um, and she texted me a, an incredible text yesterday. And I was like, when you're ready, I would love to talk. It's hard because we have to do it through FaceTime or Zoom because we can't see each other, um, but it's, uh, she's having a hard time, but yeah, we haven't even talked yet. Nicole carried a lot of like shame and guilt, which I think a lot of women do when they're in these situations, and I was one of the first people who she came to and really only one of the only ones for the last 20 years who's, who's known about it, but that's why she wanted to write it because I think a lot of women do. They, they blame themselves for what they think they put themselves in that situation when it's not their fault at all. And forever, I try to tell her like, it's not, it was never you, but um, you know, a it's lot, not, yeah. And a lot of women have already come to, I can't believe in less than 24 hours, how many girls and women have already DM me or have reached out to me with stories that they've been holding on to.
1: Do the both of you remember your very first day in the wrestling business?
4: Yes. Yes. Deep. <laughs> so but
1: so let me ask you this. What would Nikki and Brie right this very second say to Nikki and Brie walking in the doors for the very first time?
4: Oh my gosh. Look at yeah. I have chills again.
1: Oh. That's what I do. That's what I do.
4: Yeah. That's oh by the way, yeah. Bully, that's
0: what we do. That's okay, what we pal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gosh, that
4: you know, I would tell myself. I, you know, the one thing Nicole and I, the first day that we stepped into the business, we were just all smiles and bubbly and looked at, just thought we were kind of walking into this positive world and we got rocked a little bit, but I would tell myself like, stand strong. like It took me a while, I feel like, to find my confidence and courage in the business because um, you're just, you know, with politics and getting heat and everything, you just are always so scared and I felt like I was constantly walking on eggshells. So I would tell myself in the beginning, like, F it. Like, you walk in there with confidence and courage and bravery because that'll take you further. It took me a while to really get get that. For me, it would be, yeah, break the rules, apologize later. I didn't learn it till way later. I want to say till my longest-rating Divas Championship run. I always played by the rules. I always wanted to make the producers and the bosses happy. But it doesn't do anything for your character when you do that. And so I wish I took that when I first walked through the door, like, I'm gonna whatever I want to do, I'm going to do it. And if they don't like it,
0: then they could kick me out. Well, you definitely broke the rules in that first match on SmackDown. I mean, geez, that's Twin magic.
4: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <Right. You laughs> know,
0: I, <laughs> I'm going to throw out a word that a lot of people describe you as, and I want to get both of your reaction to this word. And that's the word Hero because you hear that a lot when, you know, when it comes to descriptions of the both of you, what do you think about that word? And do you think it's an accurate word to describe you as?
4: Well, now look, you're making me emotional. I know. Jeez, you guys, I didn't know. <laughs> that was
0: well, we're professionals. <laughs> yes,
4: yeah. um, it's, mean, it's an incredible, I know for me, um, and I know you are the same and you'll see your thing, um, but it's an incredible feeling. When we started in this business 13 years ago, um, we were girls from broken homes that never spoke about it. And we found something that we loved. taking that first bump. It was love at first sight. And we found love f- at first feeling. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we found this family that we just loved. WWE is a family. And then we never thought we could find a more intimate family. And that's the Bella army or fan base. And it, it was having this connection with all these people around the world and hearing their stories and how much they helped us. But knowing that like our story was helping them. um, I think sometimes when you come from a background that you're not maybe proud of, or things have happened to you, you don't think that that can help you make you become a hero and help others. And so it means so much. Right. And I think too, when you're a reality star, sometimes there's always this negative like stigma that can come with it and you're just like, okay, we're just going to be open books, put our lives out there. The good, the bad, the ugly, you know, half the world will hate us, half the world will love us. But um, it's a scary step to do that. So when you do hear that and you see how people get attached to how you live and for being open, it's such, it just makes everything just feel like a payoff. It's incredible. Yeah. It really is.
1: As wrestling fans, as being involved in the business, you just mentioned the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've seen the good of the Bellas more times than not. Every once in a while, the bad. But you just brought up the ugly. What is the ugly of the Bellas?
4: Well, this Thursday, when Nikki gets really drunk and gets in a big fight with her fiancé. Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) No, the ugly for me is just those moments when it's almost like, it's not that you're being exposed, but you're, you know, sometimes on reality television, we have no choice but to show those sides that a lot of people will keep hidden at home, that people see those sides. And, you know, you can't ever help like your first judgment in a situation. Like, right. I'm someone who like might be really quick to judge my sister for what she does. Unfortunately, cameras catch it, which I find ugly moments. And, you know, you just get a couple hours to breathe. And you're like, wait, I didn't, Like that first reaction I had, but it's too bad. Well, and even in wrestling, and I think you guys will understand this. Sometimes you just feel like you give so much and then it's not working out for you and your back's against the wall. And I know for me, sometimes my ugly would be like how defensive I could get. And I am a fireball, so I can react very quick. And then I'll look back at it later and be like, God, Nicole, why did you say that? Or why did you react that way? And I definitely have had that ugly side, especially in the business where maybe I tweeted too quick. And it was like, I should have talked to myself about my feelings first of why am I feeling this way? right? right? Yeah, I should have breathed. So that's definitely been the ugly side for sure for me.
0: Here with Nikki and Bree Bella, the name of the book is Incomparable. It's out right now. And let's get into the book. Explain the title to our audience and why you chose that title.
4: You know, Nikki and I, our whole lives being twins, especially identical twins, we've just always been compared. And sometimes people think that we always have the same stories that define us as strong women when we don't. We have different Mm -hmm. stories that made us strong and, you know, we just thought that the everyone has a different story. So kind of the title was like about being twins, but how different we truly are. And then just how like becoming a strong woman, not one woman has a, that's one story. We all have different stories.
0: I like it. I like it. And do you feel like you're compared a lot, even early in your career? Did you feel like there was those a constant comparisons between the two and did it become kind of like a rivalry between you two?
4: Well, I mean, definitely we are compared so much. I mean, I literally would get fat shamed all the time on social media because I wasn't as skinny as Bree. So people would just call me the fat twin instead of calling me Nikki. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I feel great about myself. I'm curvy. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I fluctuate, but like, it was like really hard on me. And It never made us, I don't, I don't know why you and I never really got competitive. I think because we were used to it since we were like little girls, we were always compared. Like from the time we were in kindergarten, it's like people would come up to us and they still do it to this day and be like, are you guys twins? We'll be like, yeah. And they're like, no, you're not. Your nose looks like this and your eyes are like this. And we were like, well, (laughs) damn, we're not clones. We're twins. But um, I think our whole lives we've just been used to being compared. So it's never caused any tension between us because we're like, all right, here we go again. Yeah.
1: Well, I can relate to Brie because I was the skinny one and Dreamer was the you know the fat one. So, you know, I had to watch Dreamer get fat shamed his whole career. So
4: <laughs> terrible.
1: have you ever seen Tommy naked from the waist uh. down or the waist up?
4: I, I have the waist up. <laughs> I have waste, yeah. And I've heard about it. <laughs> 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 Take some photos. Yeah, that's what we saw from these stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those were the fun days.
1: <laughs> when would you say that? The both of you were the most competitive With one another you're, you're, you're sisters, you love each other But the world of pro wrestling Will always bring out this competitiveness in us That we maybe we weren't even sure was there When did you find each other Kind of looking at each other going Tonight I'm going to be better than you Tonight I'm going to steal the show And you're going to walk in my shadow Ooh.
4: No, uh <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> did we ever, did you ever think that about No, um, but I mean, I knew when I was Divas Champion, I was like, Brie, you walk behind me. Don't think that you could walk next to me. And I knew she was Divas Champion <laughs> because of me. And so I was like, I'll walk wherever oh, I can, please. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> I <was kind> of here, <laughs> baby about that I know. Um, so it would probably yeah. be during the, the longest reigning Divas Championship run because, you know, we were a team. And being a team, it's what helped, like, make that championships reign. But at the same time, it's Nikki Bella's name on it. So I feel like I had to keep proving, like, well, you need me to be a part of this. So I guess in my head, my mentality at the time was to always make sure that, like, I'm at her level, even though I wasn't holding really the championships. Good to
0: know. In the book, you mentioned Vince McMahon in your book, and you talk about how he said to you both that. You're creators of your own destiny. Explain that to our audience. And what did that mean to you at the time when you heard him say that?
4: So for Nicole and I, I think a lot of times, and like anything you're in, that's something that's scripted. You just kind of expect to go in and they're like, okay, this is how you're going to be. This is who you are, A, B, C, D. And with WWE, it was actually a lot different for us. It was like, um, okay, we have the story idea, but here's the keys. Here's the truck. Now drive it. And so for us, it was really awesome in the sense, and you do get held back in some ways. There's definitely times where you want to be more creative with your character, like, ah, we want it this way. But overall, like when Vince said that to us, we were like, whoa, we have a lot of freedom here to really like sit down and think about who are the Bella twins, um, what you know, what's our future and which direction we want to go in. So it was really powerful for us because we weren't expecting that. But um it, it just, it kind of helped like make our minds
1: like work. Yeah, You've accomplished, you've both accomplished so much in and out of the ring. Um, obviously our fan base are diehard wrestling fans for each one of you. What was the proudest moment you ever had based on your work? Do you have a match that stands out in your mind where, you know, where you can always look back and go, that was the very best I've ever been in my whole career.
4: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because yeah. when you talk about professional wrestling, there's two ways I always look at it, like story. like my, I, When I think of my story with Stephanie McMahon, we didn't have the most skillful match at SummerSlam, but it was our story leading into it and the story we told in that match that made me really proud. But then when I think of skill um, and that side of professional wrestling, there was this match I had one time with Becky Lynch and it was just for main event because we were in the Divas Revolution story. So it would be like a match on Raw, match on SmackDown, one on main event. And, you know, we were like, all the scrolls were getting paired up all the time. And Becky and I kept getting paired up a lot. But I feel like we kept wrestling on main event. But this match I we had, and because it was main event, you know, you kind of just go out there and like, we'll just call it out there type of things. It's not Raw or SmackDown. And I was, we both came back and we were like, whoa, it was just, I was so proud of it. And it was incredible. And Becky and I will still talk about that match. And we're like, <laughs> never surprised all the light yeah. of day that much, but we were really proud of it. Yeah. And for me, um, like, I, I think of Brie's story and match. One of the matches that I'm like the most proud of was Paige and I had a Divas Championship match. It was the Monday before WrestleMania. Um, 32. 32. no, or no, 31. 31. When it was in San Jose, California. And they... I mean, you know, that, the card, uh, the raw before WrestleMania was always mainly geared towards the men, especially at that time. And they gave us two segment match. And I remember they, they put a lot of pressure on Paige and I, but I, we went out there and I'll say we killed it. We, we had the crowd, it was at the Staples Center and we told a great story. We had them on their feet and we were just so proud when we came back. And I just remember feeling so proud of that because it was like that period of time. Like, if you girls mess this up, that's it. No more two segments or any of that. Um, and story-wise, it's when I screwed over Charlotte on my longest reigning Divas Championship reign when I was going to actually become it. And Vince had this idea of and I doing a twin switch, and then the ref gets involved, and then it gets turned around. And, and toilet paper coming out of, coming my, out of her my shirt. Bra. <laughs> and I remember going to Vince, going, Vince, do, isn't this confusing? I don't know if they're going to buy it. it. It's just. And he goes, no, this is going to make Charlotte such a baby face going in your guys' championship match. Like, trust me, like, just please do it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to him and how the crowd reacted. Like, I didn't think I could become more of a heel in that moment. And I did. And Charlotte truly became a baby face. And even when you see Rick's face in the ring and Charlotte starts crying. And that was like one of my proudest moments as far as story, because I didn't know if it was going to work. And when... Like, it worked beyond what I thought. It made me really proud. I,
1: I always tell the listeners, and I've explained to Dave, that Vince is the easiest person in the WWE to talk to. What was your relationship with Vince like, and do you agree that he was extremely easy to talk to?
4: So, for Nicole and I, definitely. I mean, he's definitely intimidating. You do kind and of get scared when you go in. Right? I don't know why. It's he's like, <laughs> like... Sometimes you forget, like, how to talk properly, but... The thing that you did feel from Vince is he appreciated when you did come in with either ideas or to pick his brain. And Nicole and I, like, we were the girls. Sometimes you'd see us waiting outside the door and you'd have to wait for sometimes an hour. And you're like, oh, gosh, I'm so So embarrassed. embarrassed. But um, every time we sat down with Vince, it was always a gentle conversation. I mean, he definitely yelled at us a couple times in Gorilla. Um, and that was scary, but to actually sit down and we always walked out of there, either understanding our story or the bigger picture, or just changing something in a way that we all like, kind of were like, Oh, you're right. Maybe it should go this way. Yeah. When, when you would talk to him, it's like, you couldn't be disappointed on what was going to happen or where, what direction you were going in because you, you knew it. Right. But it was crazy because the minute you do build that relationship with Vince, you actually realize how easy it is to go to him, where I feel like if you're a talent who never goes to Vince, you're always going to look at him as like scary Vince when really he's not. Um,
0: There's so much to get into, but unfortunately, time is short. I mean – I mean, in late February, the news breaks that you're going into the Hall of Fame and then all hell breaks loose in the world. So who knows when that ceremony is actually going to happen. But, I mean, I, I wish you well. Again, the book is available right now. Incomparable is the name of the book, and you can get it everywhere. Thank you so much for the time today. You guys were awesome. And when this becomes a bestseller, you're welcome back on the show.
4: Yay. yay thank you thank you
0: guys <laughs> and i Thanks, know you girl. got a ton of interviews but this is going to be your best one so it's all downhill from here oh it's
4: yeah it was a great way to start a morning <laughs> chills tears <laughs> feel
1: great. N- nobody else is giving you chills today that's for sure
0: <laughs> that's uh, thank you thank you so much again nikki and brie bell incomparable is the name of the book thank you so much for the time we really appreciate it oh, thank, thank you, you. Bully, uh, one match that definitely got people talking on social media was the match with Liv Morgan and Charlotte Flair for many different reasons. So first, let me ask you, what did you think of the match between Liv and Charlotte on Monday? You don't ask me. I ask you
1: because I'm the one who told you that I'm the one who wanted to talk about this. Okay. So let me ask you. But before I ask you, I'm going to go to the Twitter machine and read a tweet. From WWE Front Row, he said, it felt to me like Charlotte really helped elevate Liv, who did a killer job stepping up in that match. Even in a loss, she
0: took a step forward. That's from The Nation. What's your take? I agree with that. It's funny because a lot of social media feedback that I got after that match, because I actually tweeted about it myself, that I liked the match and I enjoyed what Liv Morgan was able to do. Everybody's like... That was another example of Charlotte squashing somebody's momentum. Uh, why does she have to be on Monday Night Raw? She's on NXT. She's your NXT champion. Why is she on Raw, you know, with somebody that they're building momentum for and having them lose? I did not see it that way. I thought it was a competitive match. I thought Liv Morgan had a very good match with a champion like Charlotte Flair. So I think it was a win-win all-around for both Charlotte and for Liv Morgan. Cool. Work with
1: me here. Okay. Yes or no, have we seen Liv Morgan take steps forward in her wrestling ability in the ring? Yes. Can you see that she is trying and wants to improve? Yes. Have her and Ruby had good matches over the past couple of weeks? Yes, they have. Any negatives within Liv Morgan's game since she has come back in the ring? No. Should she have had
0: as a competitive match with Charlotte? I I, I, I think yes. I, I don't think that, you know... Do the you of- believe that Liv Morgan
1: could hang with Charlotte at the level she hung with Charlotte
0: the other night. I, I didn't believe it until I saw it. Fair enough. Um, I think this is a classic case of making someone. Uh, you have somebody like Charlotte Flair, and, and, and this has been done throughout the history of pro wrestling, but you have someone like Charlotte Flair who I think is the best, When it comes to that women's division in the WWE, she's the top of the mountain. And you had somebody like Liv Morgan, who has done really good things, has had competitive matches, has looked good since she's come back, and then she had an ultra competitive match with the champion. Did she win? No, she did not win, but man, she looked good. So now coming out of that, I wanna see Liv Morgan again. Now I'm looking at Liv Morgan as somebody that could compete at a main el- main event level. So, again, I'll say what I said before, but I think that's a win for everybody. We're just talking about how they're not making anybody, they're not building anybody. I think the one rare example of them doing it right now is Liv Morgan, and I can't see, it baffles my mind, it confuses me, that people could look at that match and say, oh, my God, Charlotte killed Liv Morgan. If anything, Charlotte made Liv Morgan on Monday night. mundo. And what did I tell
1: you earlier about the advice that Jerry Briscoe gave to me and Devon? If you can't make anybody, then who did you really be? Correct. So it would have been very easy for Charlotte to blow through Liv Morgan because even though Liv is getting better she's not on Charlotte's level Charlotte helped get her up to the next level did I expect Liv to beat Charlotte nope if if Liv would have beat Charlotte with a roll-up and her legs on the ropes would I have been happy with that nope because in no way shape or form should Liv Morgan at this stage of the game be beating Charlotte Flair it's not about winning and losing right now for Living for Liv. It's the performance and her taking the next steps. Yep, Charlotte went over, but Liv got over. And she got over because Charlotte helped her get over. So all of those people talking shit about Charlotte should be giving Charlotte a standing ovation for everything that she did for Liv. And great job by Liv for stepping up her game to an athlete and a performer and a pro wrestler that is far superior to her. In every way, shape, and form, that match worked. And I'm starting to see things in Liv that I saw in Trish years ago. And here's how this works compliment-wise. Am I saying Liv is the kind of wrestler that Trish was? Nope. But one of the hardest working people I've ever come across in my career was Trish Stratus and always wanting to get better every time she went out there. She was constantly trying to learn. You couldn't beat the crap out of her hard enough. She never complained. She paid her freaking dues and she moved forward. She constantly took steps forward. And that's what I'm starting to see in Liv's performance. A willingness to take steps forward. And that's how
0: you get to the top. And I love what you said, Paulie. And this is where... It's shame on the people that were killing Charlotte and, and blaming her for killing the momentum of Liv Morgan. First of all, it's only been a few weeks for Liv Morgan. Let's, let's look back at where Liv Morgan was a year ago or even six months ago and where she is now and the way you perceive her after that match on Monday night. But, Bully, it's what you just said. It's steps. I I don't understand fans. They want everything right now. They want Liv Morgan at the top of the card like that. What the fuck is wrong with you people? It's steps. It's gradual. That's how you build a story. That's how you build a personality. That's how you build a character.
1: There's an old adage in pro wrestling, Dave. Slow and steady wins the race. And if they continue on with Liv right now... With this gradual build Have her have good match After good match After good match Put her in there with the right people I gotta tell you I thought her and Ruby Did a great job Those two matches they have And they're not doing a damn thing With Ruby Riot. I think she deserves an opportunity also Because I saw Liv and Ruby Work together really really well And Liv couldn't have looked as good As she did against Ruby If Ruby did not do her job well also they both have unique looks. They both have unique characters.
0: They're both young. Give them both opportunities. And the opportunity is going to come again where she's going to be in the ring with Charlotte. And when that time does come, Bully, your perception of Liv is going to be completely different where you think, you know what? Liv can, Liv can win. Liv can beat Charlotte. That, that was not the case on Monday. I was. I mean, what did you want on Monday uh, for Liv to beat Charlotte or for Liv to have another match with Ruby Riot? No, this is a wake up call. This is like, wow, she's not there yet. She's not there yet. But man, maybe in like three or four months, maybe Liv can hang with Charlotte Flair. Maybe six months from now to a year, maybe she could have an opportunity with Charlotte and be a champion. But you, you got to, like, everybody wants a story. It's amazing to me. Everybody wants a story, but they want the final chapter in chapter two. They, they, there's a reason why a book has chapters. It builds towards the final climax. I don't understand why wrestling fans want the end right away. It makes absolutely no sense. You know, you just, <laughs> you brought up the word climax, right? And whenever you
1: hear the word climax, what do you think of?
0: You know, you think of like, what do
1: you think about a sexual experience, right? Yes. Are the best
0: sexual experiences fast or slow? Slow. It's where you ha- it's, it's a, it's a moment. It's an, it's a buildup. It's, Boom. you know, it's a buildup. And if the buildup is done the right way,
1: the climax means that much more. And That's how I look at it with wrestling. If you build it the right way, the payoff will be that much better. Yeah, can we go really quick and get it over with? Yeah, boom, 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 boom. But it's here, then it's there and done and forgotten about. Yep. And there is something to say about get in, get on, get off, get out. Yeah. But in wrestling, that doesn't work the majority of the time. Slow build so that when you get to that end result, there's something really there that's going to last for a long
0: time and is not just going to dissipate the moment it's over. Think about the confidence the WWE must have in Liv Morgan to put her in the ring with Charlotte Flair. That's, like for people that's that's, that's Heyman. That's Heyman 1 on 1 right there. So so there's somebody in her corner that sees something in her and knows that she could be a major superstar. Here's the thing. God, let's think of the, Let's think rationally right now. Are people are people now going to give up on Liv Morgan because she lost that match to Charlotte Flair? Bully was just saying about the amount of offense she got into that match. She looked great in that match. She's not on the same level as Charlotte, nor should she be. She shouldn't be anywhere near the level of a Charlotte. Flair. Charlotte Flair's on top of the mountain. She's at the peak so why would you have somebody that just got reintroduced somebody that just got a couple of wins under her belt go in there and have a showcase no all she needed was that little bit of offense and that little bit of confidence and that little bit of a showing for us to make us believe that wow, somewhere down the road she's going to get an opportunity again and maybe when she does she's going to win God, did anybody ever see the fucking Rocky movies for crying out loud? That's what the Rocky movies were based on. Did Rocky win in the first Rocky movie? No, he lost. He lost.
2: Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022.